Hi everyone, you're listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors to find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and I'm on the journey to go from hip-hop dancing engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. This is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Before we hop into today's show, I want to remind you of today's sponsor. This show is brought to you by PassiveInvesting.com. PassiveInvesting.com is a private equity real estate investment firm focused on institutional quality multifamily and self-storage assets in the hottest markets in the United States. PassInvesting.com partners with their investors to provide opportunities to build wealth together by delivering consistent monthly cash flow, capital appreciation, and strong tax benefits. They currently have 1,700 plus passive investors with a 65% repeat investor rate. If you're interested in learning more, head over to PassiveInvesting.com or click the link in the show notes. You can get more information on investment opportunities, educational webinars, or insightful articles. Reach out and see how they can help you build wealth through real estate and enjoy the show. Now for today's guest, he is a LinkedIn power networker and new media marketing maverick. We have the host of the Dream Chasers podcast where they bring next level talent to the light. He has interviewed big time rock stars like Grant Cardone, co-founder of Race Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital racers, as well as the next level mastermind. I want to give a shout out to his grandma and also please give a warm welcome to Adam Carswell. (laughs) Thank you, Taylor. Uh, Well done. You know, it's funny with bios, anyone who's a podcaster or does live events, you you know how it is. Like you go over it in advance. Oh yeah, I got it. And then when it's time to actually do someone's bio, it it really is a skill to make sure you get it right and don't make any mistakes. So I just got to say great work on that. uh, (laughs) Appreciate it. Thank you for, for having me here. I know how much goes into podcasting and learning a little bit about your journey before today. Like, dude, you've, you're, you've been putting in the work and I just want to say congratulations and, and thank you for all the work you do for your listeners. It's impressive. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate the the kind words. And I'm also very impressed with just like your background as well, because you come from a lot of different backgrounds from coaching basketball in Belize to even being a, an account executive, Sherwin Williams, to now working with Hunter Thompson. So like, I'm curious, you know, how did, how did that transition go all the way towards towards real estate. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you very much for doing your homework. I'm flattered. Long story short, you know, so I played college basketball, you know, also ran track and field in college, had a great, great time at, at my alma mater, solid career. Right. And I just knew that I wanted to continue that if possible. And I felt called to coaching. I had had some success coaching at basketball camps over the summers, just throughout my time as a player. And I'm like, man, you know what? I really like this. I think it's the direction I want to go with my future. So Pursued that from say probably ages 20 to 23 during that time frame. Also, you know, graduated from undergrad. I'm like, you know what? I got to get my master's because getting your master's is at least in the NCAA level now, pretty much a prerequisite if you want to be a head coach anywhere. Hmm. So um, I went to Belize <laughs> to get my master's degree because my my college coach, uh, shout out to Coach Soroki. He was from Ohio, but he he spent at least a decade, if not a few more years of his life in Belize playing and coaching basketball as well. And then my senior year at Westminster, he became my head coach. And there was some, someone else I had played against who was a couple of years older than me. I heard he moved to the UK. He was getting his master's degree because it wasn't an NCAA school. He was able to keep playing for the university he was at. I'm like, man, that'd be cool if I could do that somehow. Coach Soroki, 
can I do anything like that in Belize? <laughs> He's reached out to his people. Next thing you know, I'll never forget, it was May 2013. I got a phone call when I was, uh, and this sounds fancy, I don't golf that often, but I happened to be on the golf course with my buddies and I got a voicemail from, from coach saying, hey, Adam, like they got a package put together for you. You're going to be able to go to Belize if you want to. And I'll never forget that. Like it was awesome. And then on top of that, you know, my intention of going to Belize was really to become a coach. I went down there and played. I also got to play semi-pro, but during that whole experience, the doors opened up Cards fell in the right place. And by the time I was entering to year two of my master's degree, I got the offer to go from player to head coach of Galen University. And we had a lot of success. Yeah, it was awesome. Now, the year, first year I was there as a player. Now, you know, granted, Believe has a, Believe has a population of you know, not even a half million people. It was still a lot of fun and cool that I could say we won the national championship when I was a player. And then the next year as a coach, we went on to win the national title again. So went and got two championships, two national championships. That was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. So uh, really what started happening was... Um, as time went by, I realized you know, I was going to be done with school there. I had loans pending in the US for my undergrad. I was making okay money in Belize if like I didn't have any, for example, if I didn't have any loans, kind of debt-free thing, and I was living in Belize being a basketball coach, it's not like you're getting paid stacks, but it's a comfortable lifestyle. Um, I just wasn't going to be able to make that work based on the position I had put myself in from undergrad. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, too, you know, I realized like, wow, I was 23. I achieved my life dream basically at the time of becoming a head coach. And then we won the title. So it wasn't NCAA level, but it was enough to kind of fulfill that desire. And then I also looked at my buddies who were working their way at the NCAA ladder who are about the same age range as me. And they, you know, they're getting four hours of sleep every night. They're not even sure if their jobs are secure because in the world of coaching, especially at that level, like you got to win. Like if you're not winning, you, you don't got a job. So I was like, <clears throat> not that I don't like that kind of pressure because I love pressure, but I'm just like, you know what? I don't think I love, I really don't think I love basketball enough to continue my life this way. I want, I want to have some more flexibility or freedom if possible. So it's funny that you know, my, the first job I went to go to wasn't really providing me with the flexibility and freedom that I now have. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, was, I just, it was like more fulfilling my parents' dreams at that point. I knew they always wanted me to get in with the Fortune 500, work my way up, have a good career. And don't get me wrong, you know, Sherwin-Williams Paint Company, which I, I manage stores for them in the, in the Washington, D.C. area through a connection I had from my college. You know, it was, it was, my future was looking bright there. Like there's no reason that I couldn't have had an amazing 30, even 40 year career there as many of their employees do, which is pretty rare to find in this day and age. Sherwin-Williams does a great job re- retaining their, their employees. But I just noticed the people that I looked up to, you know, they were still working 80 hour weeks or whatever. And I'm like, man, I... <laughs> In the most humble way possible, I just one, I want to be a billionaire one day, and two, like I just want to be able to do what I want when I want, for the most part, as most of us do. And I'm, I'm sure that's the journey. It looks like that's the journey you're on here too. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and this is the coolest part. I was just just hit me like two days ago. I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, when I quit my W two to get into entrepreneurship, because um, I knew that was the way. I was like, I'm either going to get into tech or into real estate. And fast forward, you know, four years later. I'm kind of in both. I'm very heavily invested into just the blockchain and crypto space as well. And then as we mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about raising money here today. I'm, you could say, you know, <laughs> co-founder of, of Raise Masters, <laughs> the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. So it's cool looking back over just the past four years, how my desires have unfolded. And I many ways feel like we're just getting started. So thank you for exactly. letting me give my, my life story there, Taylor. I really appreciate it. Did you, and so did you start the podcast in order to meet other people within the real estate realm or meet other entrepreneurs? Like what was the story behind the podcast? Dude, it's so crazy how all this stuff unfolds because the answer is no. It was almost just like, I, I didn't even realize that I was launching a podcast when I first launched Dream Chasers. And 
We'll give a quick plug here too, because I know I mentioned to you to you before we record hit record, but bef- uh, before Raise Masters existed, there was a, a course that Hunter taught called the Cashflow Connections Mentorship Program, and I was one of his first students in that course. I heard Hunter on a podcast. I reached out to him like, "Hey, I love everything you just said. I would love to learn from you if possible." He didn't have anything in place at the time. That was 2017. But then he'll kind of use my story as like the straw that broke the camel's back for him to start educating others. And so I was one of his first five mentees through this mentorship program. And um, <clears throat> you know, at the time, I was a residential realtor for, for Remax in, in Washington, D.C. And just the light bulbs just kept going off. I'm like, wow, I thought HGTV was the only thing to real estate. I didn't realize there's all this other stuff going on, right? Right. So the reason why I say all that is because around the time when I first met Hunter was when I launched Dream Chasers. And really, the true like inspiring factor behind Dream Chasers is my love for music, believe it or not. In particular, I just got my Spotify like for 2021. It gives you your top five genres. <laughs> for me, it was like Deep House, Electro House, Tech House, like all different, <laughs> all house, house. different kinds of house. I'm like, that's yeah, yeah. me. So, um, and then like, like indie rock or something, you know, some random. So anyways, I say that because Dream Chasers was actually inspired by someone I went to college with who became a DJ he released an EP that I really liked. And I'm like, man, I had no idea you had this talent, this skill. I love the music. We got to highlight it. So I'm like, can I interview you and just talk about this? And so that's what we did. I just interviewed him about his music because I wanted more people to know about it. I kind of wanted to bring next level talent to the light, as we say in the show. Um, and then I, you know, I did like maybe five interviews over my first five months. And then I finished the mentorship program with Hunter. And we were doing a, a one-on-one call. And he's like, he's like, dude, you have a podcast? I'm like, yeah, like I guess so. I never really thought of that. He's like, you need to get going on that right now. Like you should be releasing an episode per week. And that was early 2018. And I have not let go of Hunter's advice ever since then. <laughs> it served wow. me very well. So yeah. that's how that started. And in a way, it definitely brought us to where we're at here today. So really releasing an episode a week, I, you know, you said it, it has served you in, in so many different ways. Can you dive into that a little bit more and like in whether I guess like whether that's like their connections or even just like knowledge that you've learned from like what have some of the what are some of the benefits that you've seen from podcasting then? <laughs> I'm gonna do there's so many, so many. So like if you're thinking about it and you think everyone in the world has one, and what is it to me if I have one too? I'm gonna tell you right now you're wrong. I'll tell you right now that the wave is still just getting started. I'm going to tell you, everyone is freaking out. Joe Rogan signs this multi-million dollar deal with Spotify. Everyone's acting like that's the that's the climax, like that's the top of the mountain. I think in many ways, the deal that he cut is just the beginning of a huge storm that we're about to see from podcasters. So it's never too late to start. If you're thinking about doing one, press record tonight or tomorrow, please. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, the benefit of the, the benefit of doing it all, and you can, I know you can feel me on this one is when you stick with it, when you have a consistency, things that you just never thought would happen, start to unfold. Um, I'll give a few examples. And actually I do want to say this too, before I forget, if you want to go faster than I did, which is we're talking about the past four, almost five years of podcasting, you can get like Taylor. And I know you're doing more than one a week, right? And then two, two a week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look up, look up, my boy Whitney Sewell. The, yeah. <laughs> the show. Yeah. If you can find the willpower to do multiple episodes per week or a daily podcast, I can tell you right now what you can cover in a year will probably be what I covered in like three or four years. I'm just saying. So if you want to do wow. that, I do not condone that method. I highly endorse it. Um, 
just doing daily hasn't quite fit my calendar at this point. And thankfully <laughs> over the past four years, I don't need to at this point either. So the opportunities that come from it, I'm just going to give you a few here. <clears throat> so through dream chasers is, and this is also a preferential thing. I don't think this is for everyone having an entrepreneurial mind that loves, <laughs> loves chasing new ideas. I've gotten better at saying no to a lot of things over the years, but I mean, if I get an opportunity to talk about something that I like, it's going to be rare that I, that I don't find the time for it. So I have an NFT podcast that I do. I host the podcast for Liberland, which is really the world's most, I guess you say, new startup country in Central Eastern Europe. You can go to Liberland.org to learn more. So I host that podcast. I host co-host the Nothing But Net podcast where Michael Flight and I uh, talk about nothing but commercial triple net real estate investing, which is probably, I'm not going to lie, unless you're really into the weeds of commercial investing, that's probably my most dry (laughs) show. (laughs) But you you learn a lot. You meet a lot of cool people. So nothing but net, Lieberland show, uh, my NFT show. You just go to Crypto Writer on YouTube. I, I podcast for another company, basically. Dream Chasers. And then it's funny. I'm like, wait, do I have another show? I believe that's it. But then I have, uh, through the years, have met amazing people like you, Taylor, who are like, hey, how do I launch my own show? And I can confidently say now, I have at least three other mentees that if they're not already, they'll be very soon here releasing content on the Dream Chasers platform. Um, and also helping them, you know, leverage the opportunity to go build and grow their own following. But um, right. <clears throat> like, I, I can't stop talking, <laughs> and so you got to take advantage <laughs> of the skills. So that those are the benefits of, of podcasting. And for me, if you trace everything back that I just mentioned, it did start from making the decision to launch Dream Chasers in 2017, 2018. Now, part of your mission and part of your brands, there, I see that there's been just a huge emphasis on like communication. Uh, and how that has helped empower your life in in all different ways. Did you figure that out through podcasting as you like you were going from interview to interview, or have you always just felt that communication was just really powerful in itself? And you kind of just learned along the way. It's an epiphany that I I'll be honest with you. I don't think I really really realized it until the past year. It's something that I think I've always subconsciously known. But I'll give you guys an, a real quick example here. And I go into detail on this a little bit more. I want to say like, if you go through Dream Chasers, maybe around episode 170, I talked about this. It's called The Power of Communication. But so there's there's four, ultimately four levels of values that as humans, we can provide to the world. There is the implementation level. There's the management level. There's communication level, which is kind of like where if you're not there, we all want to really get there. And I'll tell you why. And then there's the imagination level. So for example, if you're on the implementation level, that means that you're either like working for someone, you're, you're doing a job that requires you to like use your muscles. And even in the virtual world, that's like checking someone's email for them, doing their booking links, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're in the physical world at McDonald's or whatever, it's like flipping burgers, taking orders. There's different levels. Like on the low end, you're making 30 grand a year. On the high end, you're making, you could be making like 95K a year on the implementation level if you're like working on Rolls Royces or whatever. <clears throat> Then there's the management level, which is where I think probably a lot of people listening right now would reside for the most part. And we've all been there. You got to kind of go through all these different levels. But management is you manage the person who does the thing. So you're the branch manager of, of the Rolls-Royce facilities. You're the you're the manage, shift manager at McDonald's. You're the person... You, know, you could even be in a management role at like Boeing, like a massive company. And make you can make up to like a quarter million a year is what I'm trying to get at if you're a manager. A manager. But that's like when you kind of start to hit the <clears throat> the threshold. The chasm is going from 
management to communication, which many of us never do. And it's really interesting when you look back at traditional education, how, oh man, I don't, I'm sure anyone tuned in here. You remember like speech class and having to give a speech. You can also, if you think about it, remember how that was only something that <clears throat> as a student, unless you have a degree in communications, you're only going to be in a position where you got to do that like once a year. Like there's no emphasis, not only on communication, in my opinion, but also imagination, which is that fourth level mm-hmm. in traditional schooling. There's such a lack of emphasis on how important those two skills are in order for you to make a lot of money and, and just a great surrounding for yourself, your family, your friends, everyone involved. So how do you get into that communication realm? Well, from what I've learned, the best way is to just start doing this. Start becoming a thought leader, someone who, who's known as a speaker. Um, we can get to the next level, which is, again, author, creativity. But you want to make that jump so that way the majority of your time is spent communicating a message from your heart or someone else's heart to another person's heart. <laughs> it's, a, it's a connecting game, really. So I say all that because probably only 1% of the whole world, if not less, operates in that communication and imagination level. And an example of a communicator, someone who's figured out how to just connect with the hearts of many from per- through portraying a message, we'll just use like Leonardo DiCaprio as an example. <clears throat> a lot of people know his movies. A lot of people feel like, you know, when they're watching him in those movies, like, oh, that's me. Why is that? Because he's a master communicator. Now, it's interesting because he is, in my opinion, you know, kind of in a way getting paid by Hollywood. It is kind of like he works for someone, <laughs> right. but he is the controller of his destiny in many regards. So I'm not saying you got to go out there and be an A-list actor. I'm not even saying you got to go out there and be a podcaster. You could be someone who's in, for example, like high, high ticket sales, you know, selling something that's worth a few, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 product, whatever it may be. But, you know, anyone who's in that communication range, the threshold goes from about a hundred 100K a year on the low end to hundreds of millions of dollars. And then there's the next level, which I don't have to go into too much detail on here because I know I've been going for a while, but I'll just put, <laughs> drop <good>. a name. <laughs> Keep going. But I'm going to drop a name <laughs> that's going to answer it all for you. Think of someone like Steve Jobs or even Elon Musk. You know, Some people who have clearly made it obvious to the world that they've leveraged their time meditating or whatever you want to call it in order to not, not only impact others, but create massive amounts of wealth for the, themselves and the people they care about. So I'm grateful to say like entering into the world of NFTs quite recently within the past year, I've been able to tap into a lot of artistic energy, whether it's with other people that I know or myself. And I'm like, man, I'm so grateful that I'm realizing how much of a creator I am and how much of a creator you are, Taylor, and everyone else listening here. I can be the first one to tell you, I don't necessarily have like a specific like religion or whatever that I follow. I was raised in the church. You can call me a Christian if you want. I wouldn't say that. But what I will say is that if you believe in God or a higher power in the Bible, it says that God is a creator and he created man in his image. So therefore we are all naturally born to be creators and it's our job to create the wealth that is in the world. So Huh. I'll pause here, man. But like, I'm feeling it right now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You can keep on going if you want. <laughs> um, I mean, with these four levels of communication and being just this communicator and controlling our own uh, destiny, I'd love to know at least like at least like for somebody that is just starting to get into like raising capital now. Then, and like, let's say that that is the destiny that they want to go towards. Is it is it like similar stages from implementation to management to being a communicator? Do you have to go through those different levels in order to be, let's say, a raise master? Mm, wow, great question, dude! Wow, how do I want to handle this? <laughs> I'll put it this way: <laughs> we uh, we really 
it's my job when I, so I'm, I'm also kind of basically like the gatekeeper of race masters. Right. So I got to, I got to vet whoever's coming in and we really are looking for individuals who have a significant amount of experience. It doesn't have to be experience raising money necessarily, but some type of business background that shows, okay, they're not completely green right now. Cause if they are completely green, chances are it's going to be super, super overwhelming. I'll go ahead and say this right now, Taylor, like you've been doing the show for like a year. I know you might feel like you're green. You're getting ready to like maybe make a transition here or something. All I got to say is uh, you would not be someone I consider green. So anyone listening right now, if you kind of feel like you're on, (laughs) if you feel like you're on Taylor's like level, or if you think you're ahead of him, go ahead and get competitive. Then that is the type of person we're looking to work with. And then how far, how long does it take to kind of see results? Maybe it's tough to gauge. We have a 90 day strategy, 90 day plan that works really well for our members. A lot of it. I mean, you guys know, like we don't have a magic potion or a bean that's going to guarantee in two weeks, you're going to raise a million dollars. Right. But what we can guarantee is if you are willing to put to work what we recommend and suggest that you will see significant results in your business and have an infrastructure that will allow you to uh, very, very easily raise a million dollars, right? It comes down to one, do you believe in us? Because we really don't want to be even having anyone in the group that is like coming in like, oh, question this, question that. It's like... Like I, I, we got, uh, maybe I'm, I'm not I'm like venting, but like I've had enough phone calls with people where like, oh, well, what's your process? And they ask me, I'm like, dude, like, I'm not here to sell you. I'm not here to pitch you. We have a presentation that you can watch that tells you everything. And, you know, 80% of anyone who's in our group has either read Hunter's book or listened to his podcast. We know what we're doing. He knows what he's doing. Do you want to get on the train and go to the next level? Yes or no. And if they don't know, say, call me when you're ready. <laughs> so I, I think I kind of went a little bit sideways there, but long story short, you know, we have a recipe um, that gets results. And if anyone here listening is, is looking to improve their capital raising skills, reach out. You're going to get my contact information here on the show and happy to have that conversation. And we actually had uh, two Raise Masters too, as well on the show before this. Michael oh, and Susie. Awesome. Michael Barnhart and Susie Sevier. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, shout out Michael perfect, and Susie. <laughs> perfect example of, of people who um, who can get like execute on the game plan. You got to have that mindset. And Michael and Susie, let me give them a shout out too. Like those are, those are individuals who, whether, you know, we're grateful that we can share the success with them, but you'll, you'll start to see as you continue through life, like there's some people who just get it. Like they're naturally successful, which, which that's the type of person we're like looking to meet in the first place. You know? <laughs> so, good, good reference there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, now this is just a little bit more of a granular question and I feel like it's just been coming up and it's more of a question for me to be completely honest, but with raising capital, do you, do you think that at some point people are going to need to get their like series seven license? And and get a securities a securities license in the future, like with the way things are moving. Yeah, great question. And these are the questions where it's like, okay, <clears throat> how do I communicate this message in a th- at a third grade level that <laughs> I, that I can also understand? So l- let me let me just c- kind of throw this disclaimer, however you want to put it out there as well. My role in Raise Masters for the most part is very focused on making sure everyone has just an incredible experience making sure everyone gets the tools, answers, and resources that they're looking for. I've played an investor relations role and still technically kind of do at ASIN Capital. When it does come to the nuances specifically of raising money, that's where we leave. I, I do leave all of that heavy lifting to Hunter. Uh, what I can say about that question in particular is I know a little over... It was probably about two years ago. What you're talking about, Hunter kind of had the foresight to see this was coming. And he went and, and studied for like 
three exams that he didn't even need to take. He did end up taking an exam on the one that he needed to, but he, through that experience, he's like, man, <laughs> I just spent a lot of time doing something that there was no need for me to do it. And so to provide a level of clarity to that specific answer, well, one for you, Taylor, I'd be happy to, no problem, just kind of figure it out for you. But yeah, if anyone yeah. ever has questions like that, and you maybe want to try and get the answer, like, I guess you could say in more of like a free way, we do have a Facebook group with a lot of our Raise Masters members in it that's like open. And we encourage those questions in there because quite frankly, to your point, there's no clarity in the space right now on yes or no to your answer. Yeah. And that's that's like what our group does. <laughs> we just had a call today. We do office hours the third Wednesday of every month. And it's kind of like an open open format, two-hour session. We do some breakout groups, networking, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you know, our in-house attorney who's a member, <laughs> it was almost as if he was the guest speaker today, right? <clears throat> there's some really valuable questions that get asked during these sessions where having someone who's a securities attorney, one of the best in the business, in our opinion, being able to just get do a back and forth with multiple members at once, it's really powerful to see what can happen. So I kind of diverted on your, your answer there. But what I, what I can tell you, which is basically, this is a perfect example of my role in Raise Masters is I don't know Taylor, but I know someone who does know. So I got you covered. <laughs> now, I'll, yeah, I'll, def- I'll definitely... I'll get that uh, link afterwards because I am very curious and also want to connect with other other raise masters. We'd love too. to have yeah, everyone listening right now. If you want to get uh, in our Facebook group, we just launched it within the past month. But you know, Hunter and I were like, man, we have a Slack channel, which is where most of the networking happens for raise masters. But we're like, we're kind of doing our people who will be members one day a disservice by not at least giving them a little taste of what it's like. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Facebook group just launched. We'd love to have you guys in there. Got it. Awesome. Matt, something that you did touch up on a little bit early in the podcast was now how crypto and real estate could be coming together at some point. And so, you know, I wanted to at least like just hear like some of your thoughts about that. And I mean, where, where this is really going. Cause I mean, it's kind of mind boggling, at least just like with digital real estate and, or even paying for real estate within with crypto. And I know that you're a host of the summit as well. And so, yeah, no, I'd just love to know your thoughts about you know, where, where that's going. <laughs> Maybe that's the other thing I was like, man, I know I host something else, but I can't remember. I am the, uh, the, uh, the, M- the, M- <laughs> the, of the, uh, the blockchain, blockchain real estate summit. You guys go to blockchain real estate summit.com. I don't know if we have the official details for 2022 in there yet, but we will be back in Austin in September. That's a lot of fun. So to answer your question, let me just restate it here too. I guess the general question is, you know, where do I see blockchain and real estate coming together? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the very quick answer to that is everywhere. <laughs> I'll give you a little bit easy. more details though. Um, it, it's like, you guys, you could just compare it, literally compare it to the the experience that the world has gone through over the past, what, 30 decades or 33 decades um, with the internet. Mm-hmm. Late 80s, early 90s, even into the 90s, everyone was either you know laughing at it, saying, oh, what is this? Not a lot of hope in it. Maybe just a fad. The dot-com boom happened and everyone's kind of like, okay, maybe I should get a website. Fast forward 10 years later, Facebook, Instagram, all these things are household names. It's like, okay, before you know it right now, like we, we couldn't live life for the most part without the internet. So that's the the, the direction everything's going with, with blockchain right now. And actually, I got to make a note here because you know everyone keeps talking about this web 3.0 thing too. And I have... I have someone I know that I got to follow up with on that. So thank you, Taylor. I got to write that down. So I don't know anything really about Web 3.0 now, but maybe if you reach out to me by the time this is out, I will. So, um, really, the best place to go for information where block, specifically where blockchain and real estate are merging together 
is what we talked about. So blockchainrealestatesummit.com. We also have a Facebook group. And then I've had the honor and privilege of working with another just dear friend, mentor, a business partner of mine, Michael Flight, who I host that that NetLease podcast with. I actually met Michael through Hunter at a uh, at a Liberty like a Liberty focused conference. It's called the Freedom Fest. It's in Vegas every year. So that was cool to meet him there. And, and Michael and I, um, you know, I played a major role in the establishment and launch of Liberty Real Estate Fund, the world's first single tenant triple net lease security token. Say that five times fast. Whoa. Um, so yeah, if anyone's interested in learning more about where this <clears throat> connection is happening between the two worlds, we've put out a lot of content on the topic. I would recommend, go, you know, first of all, just go to libertyfund.io. We got a newsletter, et cetera. You know, get your name on the list if you want to learn more. There's plenty of resources on the website. And then also we do have a YouTube channel that has a lot of the recordings from uh, blockchain real estate focused interviews and sessions and meetups that we've done. We are going to be bringing that back soon too. We haven't done the meetup since the summit, but I know talking to Michael, that's been that was a really beneficial thing that we've done. So I just want to encourage you to do that. And again, really, you know, if you just if you hear me on this interview, we're gonna probably give you multiple ways to reach out, but I'll just tell you guys right now, you can email me. <laughs> Adam at carswell.io. There's a few different directions with like crypto and blockchain and real estate, which if you like know specifically which direction you want to go, again, chances are if I don't have the answer, I know someone who does, does. And, and happy to happy to just you know drive traffic for you based on your level of interest. So with that being said, like if you have a deeper question on the topic, happy to <laughs> happy to get into that too. <laughs> at this point right now, I'm to be honest, I don't really have a deeper question on the topic just because I'm still like very, very new to the space. But I guess like a, a side question for the podcast with uh, Michael Flight, is he also a hooper as well? Is is that why you guys <laughs> thought of nothing but net? Uh that's funny. We uh what was the ins- I don't even know necessarily what the inspiration was besides just a, a catchy name for the show, right? Uh, Before we hop off here, there's there's a, an episode on nothing but net that we kind of released as a bonus episode specifically focused on Liberty Real Estate Fund and how it works as security token blockchain, all that good stuff. I'll send it to you because you'll probably enjoy it and, and listeners can check it out too. But no, Michael Flight never played basketball, but <laughs> he's actually met Michael Jordan twice. He lives in Chicago and he said when he was at some point in time, he was at like a suit store or something and he saw MJ and uh, MJ turns over to him. He's like, what do you think about this? <laughs> what do you think about this? And then Michael, Michael said something to him like, well, I know I can't pull that off, but someone like you probably could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for for hopping onto the show. I uh, I mean, you've given your contact information throughout this entire show in multiple ways, but I just want to say thank you. It's it's finally a pleasure, like actually just getting you here and having the conversation. And I can't wait for the action items episode where we can get a little bit more granular and uh, help people on their journey towards raising capital. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it, Taylor. Thank you so much. I'll get you uh, any resources that you need and the audience can dig into guys. Um, if you haven't picked up on it, I love talking. I love connecting people. So don't <laughs> hesitate to reach out. It's my, uh, my superpower. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Taylor. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you got any value out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to help others receive that same value. If you're looking to learn more on how to passively invest in apartment buildings or self-storage assets, click on my link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.